Good morning, church. I'm Father Spencer, and uh, today I have the honor of proclaiming good news to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday at the table. Today, we celebrate the, the good news that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The gift of God's Spirit isn't a fickle magic that allows you to float above reality from time to time. Instead, in the way of our incarnate Savior, the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be faithfully present in your real life today. If you have children or have been around children, there's this interesting phase where you can start to have resonance. Uh, Your kids will start to pray or relate to God in ways that make you even maybe stretch your own faith. There's also interesting times when uh, they'll pray a prayer and it will take you back in time to a prayer that you prayed when you were their age. And uh, so there's there's a statue of Jesus at a church, a small church in our neighborhood in Bates Hendricks. And this statue of Jesus is like four and a half or five feet tall, just like right on the corner. And every time we go on a walk, my kids are always like, can we go see Jesus? Can we go talk to Jesus? I'm like, Sure, we can go over here and talk to them. And then when we get there, without fail, they're like, we got to pray. I'm like, all right, well, what do you want to pray for? Go ahead. You guys can pray. And they're like, no, 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 you need to do the praying. You're the, you're the priest, after all. I'm like, all right, all right. Well, what do you want me to pray for? And Remy recently, he, he prayed the prayer, or he asked me to pray a prayer that I remember was maybe the first truly heartfelt prayer that I prayed as a little kid. He asked me to pray that God would turn him into (laughs) Spider-Man. Now, Remy's only four years old. I feel like I was praying that prayer until I was like 12 or 13. But I just felt this like deep connection. I was like, dude, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Let's pray that prayer. That would be so cool. Growing up in a charismatic, charismatic, Pentecostal, non-denominational church, I think my view of Pentecost was really a lot like that prayer that I would become Spider-Man. The belief that I had or that was instilled in me is that the Holy Spirit coming meant that we now had a superpower. We could tap into this superpower of God that would allow us to float through unscathed through the hardships of life. Sickness, death, disease, broken relationships, distrust, all of that, as long as we had our superpower engaged and turned on, we would be all right. In fact, in Bible school, I had a class called Life Strategies. Uh, I think it was maybe specifically called like life strategies for ministry or something like that. And I was a very practical guy when I was 18 or 19. And so I was really excited about this. I was like, oh yeah, life strategies for life and ministry. This is going to be awesome. And I remember that the, the teacher of this class got up essentially for like 12 weeks and every day was just like, yeah, just like pray in tongues. Like that's your strategy. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, like you got to take a shower every day. So while you're like washing, just like pray in tongues. And I was like, but what after that? He's like, that's it. That's all you need. I was like, okay, there's something. I feel like we're failing to communicate in some way because this is not translating into a strategy for me. Now, I want to be clear. I believe in tongues. There are people in our midst here that have a spiritual prayer language. You know, there's many of us who are charismatics here, even as we celebrate in the Anglican tradition. Not only do I believe in tongues, but I believe in miracles as well. So I don't want to make light of that when we reflect and celebrate on the joy of Pentecost. But what about when a miracle never comes? 
What about when you're in a situation that has to change? Things are falling apart all around you. People are hurting. You're hurting. And you've prayed and you've prayed, maybe even in tongues, and nothing happened. What then? Is this what the gift of the Holy Spirit really is for? An unpredictable, uncontrollable, magical power? Sometimes you'll go days and weeks, maybe months or even years, without seeing a miracle happen. How long can you hold on in between these moments of magic? Friends, we proclaim the good news today that you are filled with the Spirit of God. The gift of God's Spirit is not a fickle magic that allows you to float above reality from time to time. Instead, following in the way of our incarnate Savior, the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be faithfully present in your real life today through the ups and the downs of it. In our Pentecost passage in Acts, the quintessential Pentecost passage, the first Pentecost that we celebrate in the church, it says that all the disciples were together in one place, and then suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house that they were in. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. The text goes on to say, There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. This moment of power and breakthrough, when the Spirit rushed in and tongues of fire rested on them, a crowd began to gather. And when the crowd gathered, each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they understood it. I think the way that I have understood this passage over the years has shifted because, yes, there is clearly divine, supernatural power at work in this moment as the wind rushes in. You can almost see like the blinds of the windows and the doors blowing open. You can picture things being blown throughout the house and then tongues of fire resting on each of them. But what they heard was the good news being proclaimed in their own language. Not in a mysterious, heavenly language that had no concrete bearing on their real, everyday life. This is the supernatural at work in the natural. The Holy Spirit in Pentecost is not dissociation from reality. It's actually an invitation to tap into divine reality, which undergirds everything that we see. It has concrete, material value and impact in everything that we're experiencing. <clears throat> Holy Spirit experiences, just like this one on Pentecost, are not an elite-level spirituality that only super-spiritual can understand. But instead, the power of the Spirit is working here in this passage in the material world to spread the gospel. This communication over language barriers is a foretaste of God's reconciling work in all of creation, reconnecting us where we're broken, where we miss each other. The psalm paints a huge picture of this because it zooms out. It's not just a moment in Jerusalem, but it's looking at all of creation. How beautiful is your creation. In wisdom you have made them all. All of creation looks to the creator. When you give their food to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. And when you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. And when you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. 
You can see that there's a poetic nature to this descriptive language of the work that God is doing. The celebration of our role in creation is not to dominate or reign over it, but to be a part of God's creation, to enter into and celebrate creation around us, the mysteries of it, yes, the death that we experience as part of life, but also to recognize and celebrate and stand on the hope that when God sends forth his spirit, as he has upon each of you, you are created anew. And Christ is renewing the face of the ground that you walk on. In John, I feel that we get a a hyper-specific vision for what the character of God is in this. I think when we think of the Trinity, we often think of it as this obscure, undefinable thing that we can't relate to. I know the right words to say, but I have no idea what it means. I think that's like the language that most of us have inherited. We think of actually, in a weird way, we probably think of each member of the Trinity as having a different, defined personality. But that's actually heretical, just so you know. There's not a different character in each of these expressions of the Godhead. No, the Holy Spirit does not have a different personality from Jesus or God the Father. They are one and the same. And so in John, Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, have I not been with you this whole time and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you don't believe me, then believe me because of the works themselves that you see. The ones who believe in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, they will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Spirit of truth, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So for me, as I move through these texts, as I meditated on these and studied these this week, I started with the Pentecost passage in Acts this magical, powerful expression of God's power and presence in our midst. And actually, as I looked at Psalm and got a picture for all of creation and then the concrete expression of God's action in our midst in Jesus and John, it started to give me a different perspective on the language and the imagination I had received and inherited for what the Holy Spirit's work looks like in our world. In Romans, it says, All who are led by the Spirit are children of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. Here again, I think the language sometimes can be a subtle shift. The spirit that we've received is a spirit of adoption, not a spirit that disconnects us from reality, not a spirit that helps us to overpower every obstacle that we face. It's easy when you imagine the wind rushing in and a tongue of fire resting on someone that the intention that God had for us in sending his Holy Spirit was that we would be unscathed or unhurt by what's surrounding us. But when we look at this, the good news is actually truer than this. It's not that we're unscathed, but that we actually know who we are. We have a spirit of adoption so that we don't have to fall back into fear. When we cry out, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness to our spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Here we have a picture of what life can look like as we're drawn into the heart and life of God. It's not disconnected from the heart of God. We don't just receive this download of power that every now and then we can tap into whether we have anything to do with it or not. 
But in fact, the way that we live our lives, the way that we walk day in and day out is connecting us to Christ's life, to the life of God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The gift of God's Spirit isn't fickle magic that allows you to float above reality from time to time. Instead, in the way of our incarnate Savior, the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be faithfully present in your real life. Church, God is present and at work in our midst, reconciling all things to himself. In Christ, we see a picture of what this reconciling work looks like. When Jesus came, he came as a baby and lived as a man and walked the earth. It wasn't over and above reality, but it was in and with and through. This is the good news of the incarnation, and it's the good news of Pentecost. God has not abandoned us. God is not cold and uncaring to the evil and pain that you experience in your life, that you see in creation around you. God is with us. God is reconciling all of creation to himself. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is inviting us and empowering us to join in his reconciling work. The Holy Spirit isn't making us Spider-Men and Wonder Women, but the Holy Spirit is making us human. We're being invited back into what our eternal and initial call was to be as humanity. To live and walk with God and tend to creation. Not to tame it, not to dominate it, but to be present in it and moving through it. Just as Christ did when he was incarnate and born as a baby and walked the earth. The Holy Spirit is teaching us to judge rightly. To hate injustice, to love fiercely to live a bold witness to the lordship of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is teaching us to tend to creation alongside our creator, not to be at odds with it, fighting it, not to deny its existence around us. We don't have to gaslight ourselves into saying that we don't experience pain, that we're not in a bad situation. Our life strategy doesn't have to be just going and praying in tongues. I would encourage you to to pray, yes, Let's pray together. Let's come today as we come to the altar and receive the body and blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Let's come over here to our candles and light one as we say a prayer. Let's pray fervently. But also your prayer is rooted and connected to your concrete material life and action in this world. It's not just happy thoughts. You don't need pixie dust and happy thoughts to make it into the kingdom. We can respond to this good news today by getting real about the loads that we're carrying. We can get real and honest about our doubts, our struggles, our anger and frustration about the way things are and the things that we're experiencing. We can bring those with us, those burdens with us to the altar and hold them in our hearts as we feast on the body and blood of our Savior. As we get real about where we are, the Holy Spirit will give us an imagination for how to bear witness to and to join in to God's work in renewing the very ground that we walk on. You don't have to deny reality. You don't have to deny struggling. There's nothing wrong about feeling deep sadness at sad things. And this is good news. This is not just an invitation to always be sad. This is actually an expression of joy to say, oh, I'm not crazy. God hasn't just been shaking me this whole time trying to say, wake up. You don't see things as they really are. You think this is painful? This is great. 
Enjoy the way your marriage is. Enjoy the relationship that you have with your parents. Enjoy loss. Don't even acknowledge suffering. But no, the Holy Spirit is at work in your hearts today inviting you to look reality square in the face and to be continued to be sustained by the Spirit of God, to feast on the body and blood of Jesus, to come to community with your needs, to be able to be honest about your doubts and not hide them away and keep them in some kind of secret compartment where nobody else can know about them and see them or else you'll be kicked out and sent away. Bring them to the table today. Friends, each of you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. The gift of God's Spirit is not fickle magic that allows you to float above reality. Instead, in the way of our incarnate Lord, the Holy Spirit is empowering you to be faithfully present in your real life today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.